Hey, I'm Will Levis. He's Eric Laville. You tune into Levis and Claville, where we give it to you straight the way it is from a black male's perspective. Because it's like that, and that's the way it is. So let's get right to it. Continuing the next installment in our series, The Black Tax. This is The Black Tax, Black Fatherhood. Now, with fatherhood comes moments of both joy and pain. Did somebody say child support? But fatherhood can be particularly taxing for black dads because of the weight of negative stereotypes. The majority of black dads do the right thing by their children every day, but still have to bear the damage caused by the deadbeat brother. Uh, black dads live under the constant stigma that all of us ain't no good and that we are destined to be absentee fathers. Uh, the stigma is so readily accepted that many single moms uh, have dumped, have been duped into you know, believing that they should be celebrated at Father's Day too. Um, so this is definitely something that, uh, you know, is an issue that has really, as I see every Father's Day when it becomes uh, around, I've heard, I can particularly remember when I did, was doing my radio show, or the Will, uh, Will the Beast show down in Hampton, and also as a columnist, a lot of brothers would contact me and say, man, I'm just, first of all, please don't write a column talking about how her black men need to be responsible fathers again. Please don't write that. Yeah. You know? And then, to be honest, man, when you heard, even heard uh, President Obama, when he was in office, you know, talking about that issue, again, we understand he, he had a particular situation where his father wasn't you know, present in his life the way he should have been. Right. But it, when you keep hearing that narrative drummed over yeah. and over and over and over, that becomes the prevailing thought that this is what all Black fathers are about. And the fact is, that is definitely not the case. We talked about it before, right? Because studies have shown that even when the fathers are not necessarily married to the mother or not in the home with the mother and the child, it doesn't mean that they're not involved. And the most important thing is that whatever your situation is, is that you're involved. Absolutely. Now, Will, I, I, I want to be, you know, uh, very honest and transparent about the topic because this is very near and dear to both of our, our hearts. Absolutely. Others. We've talked about our, our upbringing with our fathers uh, and our families and our family dynamics. And we know that there are many, many, many great brothers out there that are phenomenal fathers and doing the right thing. Right. That's right. On the other hand, though, you do have a lot of broken family, what's called broken. And again, mm. I, I put that in quotations because uh, some people take uh, offense at the word yeah. broken and a family being broken. But there are families where there are multiple fathers in a family right. where the fathers are absent. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, I've heard uh, one statistic and someone say about the, the, the cards in prisons where on Mother's Day, they don't have enough cards, you know, where uh, inmates would like to send a card to their mother, their grandmother, or whoever they identify as their mother. Right. But you know, on Father's Day, they always have cards left over, you know, because there's there's not enough out there that they want to send to. So we understand that there is a dynamic that does yeah. exist. Yeah, there's dysfunction in families, sure. Absolutely. But that is not, that is not the majority of our community. Right, we don't have a monopoly on it, but you keep hearing over and over again. It seems absolutely, like we do. 
Absolutely. You know, you see dysfunction in all ethnicity, in all families, <laughs> you know, in all groups across the board. But as you stated, this is the prevailing stereotype that you keep hearing the narrative. It's perpetuated in popular culture. You hear mm-hmm. it in popular music. It's per- now, again, this is the experience of one individual that's making a song about it and it's being popularized across the whole community. But we have to understand, even in our popular culture, that song is just not being heard in that studio on that particular uh, download. Or right. if you're of our generation, that tape or that CD, you know, right. or that radio tune. But it's being heard across the world. And then that's the, that's the idea, the concept that people start to get of Black fathers. But we both know that that's not the case. You know, I, I think that the the key that's important that people understand is that the decline in marriages, right? We know 50% of marriages end in divorce. Absolutely. But those numbers have affected all groups. You know, we hear that um, 70% of black children born out of wedlock. That's that's high. We're not, we're not excusing that. And we say that uh, those fathers that are not doing right by their children, or absolutely, you know, absolutely, uh, there's no excuse for that. Right. You know? Now, Will, let's, let's define the word wedlock because we understand that that's a, that's a proper English term. But right, go ahead. Because individuals may not understand what a wedlock is. Go ahead, go for it. So wedlock simply means that there's a child that's born where the father is not married to the mother. Or we find that there is no... Uh, there is the father has not claimed the child. So the paternity of the child itself has not been itself determined. So that's what we mean by wedlock. Right. And so we found that being born out of wedlock does not automatically equate to the father not being involved. And so there's been studies, you talked about it on this show, indicating that black fathers are for them are involved at a higher level than other men than men in other groups. So what does that say? It doesn't deny that we have dysfunction in families. All families have dif- dysfunctions across the group. But right. what is what's the problem is for uh, fathers like you and I is that we have to bear this extra burden like as if we have some monopoly on it. And and, and one of the things that has been particularly challenging for me. I remember raising my children, particularly in raising my two sons, is that when you're in a community and they have friends whose fathers may not be in a household, right? Right. What, unlike when you and I grew up, where there were more fathers in the household, there was a more likelihood that you left your own home where maybe your father was getting on your back about something legitimately, mm-hmm. he was parenting, right? But you didn't like the way that felt. You would go to your friend's house where there would be a father who was doing the same thing to your friend, right? So you got a chance to go from one household to another household and see that a lot of what was going on in your home, a lot of times in terms of how your father was bringing that male energy to you, was not out of the ordinary. But in this generation, as you've got more divorces, again, across the board, you have more likelihood 
where that father may not be in the home and may not have that kind of ongoing interaction with their children the way it was for you and I raising our sons, raising our children, right? So oftentimes that saying about it takes a village to raise a child, indeed it does, because you want your child to be able to go out of your household into another household where the things that he's learning or she's learning in that household, your household, are being reinforced elsewhere. But if he's got a friend and got several friends who now he's going in their household, he's not seeing a dad around, they're not getting that kind of, he's not getting maybe that kind of pushback right. that he would get from me as a father. Now all of a sudden <laughs> in his mind, he starts feeling like, well, you know, maybe there's some benefits to this, you know, old guy not being around getting on my back about my chores, getting on my back about my schoolwork, getting on my back about quote unquote being responsible. And so those are one of the, those are one of the issues that, you know, for us who have been in the home and been engaged, mm-hmm. it creates a, it creates a, a black tax, a challenging tax. You're right. You know, it, it's, it's funny you mention that because I mean, you're past this stage that I'm about to talk about, but we're right, right. in that we're in that teenage stage where peer pressure is a lot greater now because right. you know you're learning yourself you're you're wanting to see what's cool and you're not you know that that time of building your confidence this is the time that that teenagers are in so you're easily influenced no matter who you are right so what ends up happening is that like you said you want more freedom. You want a more opportunity to do certain things. Naturally. You know, look, your friends can stay out, but you got to be home by 11, 12 o'clock. You're like, well, why? It's like, well, such and such pairs of, well, such and such don't have to do that. And the, uh, <laughs> I, I, well, I remember I said that one time, I think to, to, to my dad, and uh, his statement sealed it. And I never said that again. He said, look, what they do in their house is what they do. But I said, <laughs> Is what we do. That's what you all pay. <laughs> what goes on in the place where you eat, sleep, and are clothed is what you want. Yeah, that's right. And that's and that's that kind of male energy that I'm talking about that you get accustomed to, right? And as you go from a, one house to another house, or you go into the barber yeah. shop and you see it, and you so you you learn that that kind of energy, that kind of being spoken to in that way, that's not meant to break you down and destroy right. you. You just realize that these, this is how older men speak. There's a chain of command here. There's a respect for your elders that you have. And a lot of times what we did is we listened to our dad, let, let him have his say. And as we got older, when there were certain things that we wanted to do anyway, we went, we we went and did it anyway, but we didn't give him the back talk and all of that, right. we respected the energy that he was bringing. And well, you knew not to give him the back talk. Right. You knew not to because it's going to be futile because you might end up, you know, uh, having a having a pretty fat lip to go to school with the next morning. Right. So right. what happens is that when young men and I think we will see or have seen it, there, there may be research to back this up where a lot of young men who have come up who have not been accustomed to that kind of male energy and and engagement, right? If they didn't get that, still those boundaries, those firm boundaries from the mother, right? Now 
when they do or when they are confronted with an older male or they are confronted, whether it's in a workplace or whatever the case it may be, now a lot of them, a lot of the times they get caught up in their feelings about certain right. things. And now they are reacting, you know, without a good high level of emotional intelligence, which you need, particularly as a black male, Absolutely. to navigate successfully in this society. You need to be able to be self-aware, to be able to keep your emotions under control, to be able to recognize when to strike, when not to strike, when to be quiet, when to speak. And if you don't have that kind of, uh, again, male energy that you become accustomed to, you don't know how to read it. And then when someone who's older does try to speak into your life as a mentor and so forth, there's conflict. You know, this person, he's trying to break me down. You're not, he not respecting me. It, it, it's not about that at all. It's about how men tend to engage, Absolutely. which is different than how women tend to engage. And there's neither, nothing wrong with either one. Right. And, Will, you bring up a very important dynamic that we're starting to see and going to see in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, now that there are, we, we find that, that engagement, that mentorship, Right. Older males with younger males. Now there's a different type of engagement that we're going to start seeing within relationships. Mm. So how will that play out? You know, and how will now the father, which now would be the grandfather, right? Role will he now play, mm. you know, in those type of relationships? So let's just say you and I, for an example, pretty soon we're gonna be grandfathers. I mean, you're already there, but but what yeah. I mean grandfathers where Adults will start to come to you for seeking advice, right? And right. Will start to see you as being that major male figure, being able to handle situations the way that our fathers taught us, the way that we learned how to handle situations. And right. there's a difference. There's going to be a difference, and we haven't quite experienced it yet. But now we have the young fathers who mm-hmm. were young men, and mm-hmm. we have the older grandfathers that are handling the situation different. So how is that grandchild? How is right. that How is that spouse of our uh, the now young man is going to judge how that situation should be handled? Right. And the other interesting thing is that you got a lot of families where the grandparents have had to step in oh, man. and raise the children. So it's interesting how now that older grandfather, right, who has passed certain stages, certain station in life, oh, and things have changed. But then the society that he's now interacting in is very different from when he grew up. So it's it brings out something that I saw, even as I was raising my children, is how a lot of the things from my upbringing, right, was not immediately transferable over to them because of the, the environment was different, the age in terms of them being growing up in a digital age and all of the information and all of the things that come with that. And so some of the sayings that I might use that I got from my dad, you know, they didn't automatically transfer over directly. So right. it's it's important. You you bring up an important point. These changes are going to be important. The other thing, man, again, about why it's a black tax on black fathers, Ken, because these kinds of stereotypes, it's like single parenthood. And being a single mother, that's like nothing new. That's something that has been going on for from the beginning of time. That's something that has been right. going on in our society. And mothers 
have had to raise young men. And I can remember, you know, being from divorced parents. Like I said, my father wasn't in the household and not being in the household is a major difference. You know, there are major moments for interaction, for little lessons to happen that don't happen if your dad is not there. My dad was still involved and engaged, but there were certain moments where he he's not there. Well, my mother still had the mindset of, look, son, you a, you, you a boy, you a male, you need to be a man, you know? So, so she was still engaging with me on having me have reached these high levels of being a man. And then there were certain things that she felt that I needed to engage with my father on. And she would say, you need to engage with your father with that. Well, well that's only different from what we see today, though. That's what I'm hey, that's what I'm getting at. I'm getting at is that you for a lot of times, I've got a lot of black male friends coming up as a parent who will talk about, you know, the conflicts that they have with the mothers and how the mothers oftentimes are playing roles of undermining that relationship, and they're not understanding that it's at the disadvantage of their own son. So, you know, where you had older women, again, older school women who valued working in the house as well as working outside the home and valued, had certain traditional values around some things, they valued, look, certain things as a son, you need to deal with your father. And even though I'm not, I'm not feeling your father was, was in this area, you I'm not liking him here. You need to deal with him with that. Well, now we've sort of come into an age of we got a lot of women that are like, well, you know, I don't really need a man. And even to the point where they want to be celebrated on Father's Day. I mean, when when do you remember somebody talking about that back in the uh, 70s or the or the 80s or, or, or the night? When did that? that? That's something that started to come into yeah. fruition, like 90s, like 2000s. Now you start to see Hallmark cards for uh, you know women that want to be celebrated on Father's Day. So these are the, these are the kinds of things where they create you know a black a black tax. And will you bring up a, a controversial point? <laughs> you well, know? it is it is what it is, right? <laughs> you know because some would say that women are doing the job of both a mother and a father, but I would argue and say that women are doing double the mother side. Or double the duty as a parent. There you go. Because there's a difference in being a mother and a difference in being a father. So yes, they are doing double duty if you're in a single parent house. And for the men, there are some men who are raising children by themselves because of the circumstances. Right. If you if you look up the his, if you look up the history of how Father's Day became a recognized thing or holiday, it was because of a single father whose daughter so appreciated him and how he was as a as a father right single father said there ought to be a day to acknowledge father so they otherwise you know that's how father's day became father's day it wasn't that he was a single father so she was saying well he's mommy too no it, it, like you said there's a difference between the roles and we need yeah. to acknowledge and celebrate both of those roles Absolutely. And I, I was going to say that the I was going to use a personal example when I said mm-hmm. that there are fathers that are raising children by themselves. Uh, the Lord saw fit to take our mother from us uh, mm-hmm. when I was 14, right. 15. Uh, so I'm in the middle of seven children and my mother and father uh, born to them of seven children. 
three older were out of the house. And then my brother and I were in high school. Our twin sisters were in elementary school at six years old. And the Lord saw fit to take our mother. And my father raised us uh, for some time by himself until the Lord blessed him to marry our stepmother, who's uh, they've been together and raised uh, the rest of the children for over 30 years now. So, you, you know, it's so I saw a single father that huh. went to work, that got the kids off to school, that helped with bre- prepare the breakfast. And I will say this, my father takes a little long to prepare breakfast, so it's better <laughs> <laughs> if you want to make the bus. <laughs> like, Don't worry about it, Dad, I'll eat at <laughs> But he prepared the breakfast. He was also my sister's PTA school president. Uh, he was also involved. Uh, he Well, before our mother passed, he was our Boy Scout and Cub Scout leader, our Tiger Cub for my, for my little brother, mm-hmm. uh, Cub Scouts for me. Uh, but he was also engaged. We had a, a family-owned business. He had a job. And at the time, being a uh, deacon of the church before he became an elder. Right. So still doing all of that as a single father. Yeah, keeping it keeping it rolling, all right, you know, and still dealing with the grief, the grief of losing, you know, his uh, his first wife, our mother. So, you know, there are fathers that are now. He wasn't our mother. He couldn't. Right. right. He said that he couldn't do that, which is why at at the time when we had a man to man conversation, you know, he's he prayed and asked the Lord to bless him with another wife. Right. You know, and and he wanted to do it in a way that was proper, you know, as, because he was a family man. Right. So it's, it's those type of examples that I just gave that goes against the stereotype right. that's pushed down our throats, right? So when we talk about celebrating Father's Day, let's celebrate fathers, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Those fathers that do double duty, celebrate them double duty. On Mother's Day, those mothers that do double duty, we'll celebrate them double on Mother's Day. Absolutely. I mean, that your your example of your dad is, you know, a, a beautiful example of what I'm talking about. It's, it's and, we'll, like, and we'll celebrate his 80th birthday yeah. uh, at the end of this month. Yeah. So. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's a blessing, you know, and I understand, you know, I understand the children who would want to acknowledge their mom in that way and, and acknowledge Absolutely. the fact that they're saying, you know, my mom has really been a super mom. And also in there, you're going to hear some pain about the fact that the father is not involved. And and there are many reasons why a father may not be involved. It could be death that could be ha- that could have happened. It's not always a case of um, a father just being irresponsible. It could be drugs. It could be mental health issues. It could be a multitude of things that are that legitimately keep that person from being away beyond that person's control. You see, so I definitely understand the emotion and the desire in there to say, I really want to recognize my mom because my mom was a fantastic woman. She's gotcha. done a great job in, in raising me, particularly as a male or as a young woman. But as you said, mothers are mothers, fathers are fathers. And Let's not try to make a positive statement about something, a legitimate positive statement about something, but create another negative. Because for me, as a father who was very involved and very much um, stood the test of the trials and tribulations that came along with that, I want to be acknowledged for 
that effort that I put in. And then I did. And I and I very much you know, get annoyed when I hear of brothers who could be as involved, who could be engaged, who are not uh, held up by some barrier, some insurmountable barrier, a huge barrier that's stopping them from being involved in their children. And those who aren't, I mean, they should absolutely be ashamed of themselves, man. And yeah. Because they, they should recognize that you're, you're hurting that child. You're hurting that child that you help bring into the world and whom your DNA is still impacting that child every yeah. day. Well, you matter of fact, <laughs> I was just about to comment on that. You know, we, you and I both, we talked about fatherhood mm-hmm. uh, in another setting and other segment and how beautiful it is. I think, um, you know, that's one of the top titles mm-hmm. that I hold near and dear, you know, to my heart and that I, mm-hmm. I carry. And we'll, we'll, we'll always carry that label the rest of our lives. That's a beautiful thing. Um, I even talked about how, you know, Psalms 127 talks about, you know, how children are a heritage unto, unto the Lord and and also how, you know, our children is like a uh, arrows in the hand of a mighty archer, you know, and that we are the fathers of the glory of, of, of our children. Mm-hmm. So if you take away the father out of the house, you take away the father out of the, the child's life, if you take away the father, you take away the glory of the children. And for, for men who are not, that don't understand the value of being a father, they don't understand the beauty of being a father, they don't understand the, the, the benefits of being a father, you know, you're missing out. You are missing out. Absolutely. You are missing out. I mean, it's one, it's, it's one of the most blessed things uh, that you can be because, well, there's not many things in life you can see that is duplicate of you. That's and, right. And you, you and I, we talked about how our kids, you know, we see the good. <laughs> yeah. So, sometimes you get worried. You're like, oh, man, I don't want him to duplicate that. Yeah. You get worried. But but I, but I tell you, you know, the other thing, because your, your point is, is spot on. The other thing that I think brothers have to realize is how important it is for us to be fathers to others, to other, oh, yeah. to be fathers, role models to our children's friends. I'm telling you, man, two of the most uh, greatest blessings that I've gotten in my life. One was a couple of years ago, and one was just recently. Was two of my one of my son's closest friends, right? And the, uh, one happened a couple of years ago. One of his friends graduated from Virginia Union. And before graduating, he pledged a fraternity, a mega sci-fi fraternity, which one of my brothers happens to be a member, but I'm a member of Phi Beta Sigma. Well, I'm the one that actually, I was uh, friends with his father, and I'm the one that talked to him a lot about fraternities and college and encouraged him to go to college. Well, you know, he calls me up on the day that he crossed, which happened to be my birthday, and he wanted me there to witness him coming out and crossing. I made it my business to be there. He asked me and and then told me later, man, because you know he appreciated how much of a how, how much of a father on the side that I had been to him. To, and, and with his father reinf- again reinforcing the things that he was learning in his household or the conflicts that he might have had with his dad. Out he come to me and he's talking about and I'm being a peace builder and helping him to understand where his dad is coming from. The okay. other one just happened just recently. A good a, a, another friend 
of uh, my one of my sons was in the house a whole lot. He just recently had his son. And I called him. I heard he had his son. I called him to you know, congratulate him. He tells me, Pop, which is what he's called me, he said, man, I never said this to you, but I really appreciate you and how you treated me like a son. And even when I had like conflicts with my dad, because he had a relationship with his dad in the house, he said, there's a lot of times my dad said things and did things that I didn't really understand, right? But you helped me to understand what he was doing. And now that I have a son, I understand my father much more. And I have you to, to thank for that. Again, man, those are just two major blessings in my life to, to know that, you know, again, people watch what you do and how you interact and how you behave. And as men, we need to understand that we uh, can be fathers and we can help support other fathers uh, by being, you know, role models for children that aren't biologically our own. And, and that's a responsibility as well. Well, I think I think that's a great way to end this segment. I mean, that was a beautiful story because it showed that, mm-hmm. you know, just living your life, understanding the value of being a father, but also understanding the tax, the black taxes on it. That's right. The extra, you know, that goes into us doing what we do. Being a father is hard enough. Being a parent is hard enough. But when you add the additional pressures of life, given who we are in this country at this time period in man's time, it it, it becomes even more extraordinary to hear your story. So yeah. I celebrate you. Hey, celebrate you, bro. And <laughs> you celebrate know, all the fathers out there that are doing absolutely. right by their children every day. Absolutely. And look, you couldn't have said it better. So with that, we want to thank all of you for joining us for this segment of Levisa and Claville as we talk about Black tax, Black fatherhood, <laughs> the beauty of it, and also the struggle. But at the end, it is worth it. Continue to like, share, and follow us on our Facebook page and our social media. Let us know how we're doing. If you have a question, please let us know. Until next time, to us, that's the way it is. We'll see you. Be well.